This is our sibling loss panel. I do not know what I would do without the brothers and sisters, my chosen family that are on this panel today. You know, when you lose a sibling, you create other sibling relationships. And I have certainly done that with this group. They've been, they're phenomenal. They've all had the death of a brother or sister. Um, and they've all gone on to have hope and to support others through their own journey. And we couldn't do it alone. We do it as a community. Great, Heidi. And I know you have a special bond with these people. Some I of them you've mentored, I know. And some of them have you gone through it together. Exactly. Some of them have mentored me. We're doing it together. Compassionate Friends, when they do their national conference this uh, summer in New Orleans, these folks will be there. And oh, yeah. you'll be able to, if you've had a sibling pass away, you're going to be able to come and really have quite a sibling community. Meet any one of these people and you will connect with everybody at the, the conference very quickly. Don't judge us if we look like we're having fun, okay? <laughs> sometimes we need to take a break from our grief and sometimes that's how we honor our brother and sister. Okay, so Xander, Xander is moderating our panel today. Hey, Xander. Hey, how are you? Xander Sprague is awesome. He is a best-selling author. He's written three books. He is a speaker, a licensed professional clinical counselor, he serves on the National Board of Directors as the sibling representative for the Compassionate Friends, and he does this in honor of his sister, Lucy. So Xander, thank you. Please go to his site and check him out. He's also been on a lot of Open to Hope shows, so please go look at him. Um, he, is, he is going to moderate the panel. We have Elizabeth DeVita Rayburn on it, also a dear friend. She works at Everyday Health. She is a journalist. She has written a phenomenal book. She's written a book on cancer and then a book on sibling loss called The Empty Room, Understanding Sibling Loss. She's been interviewed by numerous, numerous media outlets and written many, many articles on, on grief and loss and on sibling loss. Um, what is my mother's trying to bother I'm me here, guys? The end of your She's trying to go. Oh, am I supposed to do that? Am no, I to do okay. I'm doing this. <laughs> she only bothers me when I'm trying to do sibling stuff. Y'all know that, right? Y'all know that, okay? We know what I the, want to be part of. We knew what the parents do, okay? <laughs> they want to get in here. Okay, Dr. Chris Lorenko. I met him when he was a little 11-year-old. He's now Dr. Chris, okay? Uh, he serves on the National Board of Directors for the Compassionate Friends. He honors his two brothers who died together in a, in a, a boating accident when the wires fell and it was electrocuted. Um, Chris, I don't know if I know your brother's names. What are they? Zach and Alex. Zach and Alex. I know that because my son is Alex. Okay, Zach and Alex. He honors their, their lives. And uh, Cindy Tart. Where's my Cindy? My Southerner. Hey. <laughs> Cindy is one of my Fab Five sisters. Uh, she is a clinical social worker. She is a former board member for the Compassionate Friends, and she she served as their sibling rep, and she does her work in honor of her little brother, Dennis. Hey, Cindy. I always get into my Southern accent when I'm with Cindy. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Wendrofronicky. I met Jason's parents before I met Jason yeah. um, through the Compassionate Friends. Jason is a somatic grief therapist. He is a certified yoga educator and co-founder of Shine Yoga Center, has been on many of our shows. And then there's his sidekick, Jordan Ferber. Sidekick? Oh, what do yeah. you mean? Oh, yes. <laughs> You're not a sidekick. You're not a sidekick. None of you are sidekicks. You know that. 
Forget about it. No, they're all kids. Oh yeah. Jordan is a stand-up comic in New York City. Whoop whoop. He is oh yeah. <laughs> he is a podcaster and a public speaker, and his popular podcast is called Where's the Grief? Okay, guys. Take it from here. I love you all so much. I will see you in New Orleans. I can't wait. We'll do more shows together, more podcasts, more everything. Okay, mom, I'm done. Love you. <laughs> I love you. Bye. You. Love you. Okay, everyone. So here's, I got a, just a couple of questions. Let's try and keep our answers somewhat brief because we don't have a ton of time here, but what has been the most challenging part of your loss? And I'll start off with Jordan. Well, obviously, I think the most challenging part in the beginning is uh, having ownership of my own experience. I feel like the first couple of years after my brother died, it, what, it felt like a lot, not a lot of people cared about my own process. It was everything was focused on my parents. You know, uh, it's always all about, you know, you got to take care of your parents. You got to be strong for them. Very few people were concerned about what I was going through. Very few people ask you, how are you doing? And I think, you know, even though I was lucky that my parents didn't put that on me, they didn't put that pressure on me, society puts that on you. And I feel like it's hard to get out from underneath that. It's hard to not believe that for yourself. So I feel like the hardest part for me was definitely giving myself permission to be able to do it the way that I do it and give myself uh, the grace to be able to take care of myself without wor worrying about whether or not I was doing it correctly, because... Uh, I didn't need, I, you know, beating myself up for what my process was, was uh, its own thing that I had to battle. Uh, anyone else want to jump in with the answer on that one? Sure. Elizabeth. Um, I mean, I would agree with Jordan that that's a huge um, aspect of this loss for, for most. I don't think I've talked to somebody who hasn't said what he just said, mm -hmm. um, but trying to think of another piece of it. Um, I think one thing I struggled with was figuring out what I had lost because siblings are so intertwined with your identity that it's one of my therapists once referred to it as the water the goldfish doesn't see. So it was, it was, I had lost this massive piece of myself, but I couldn't even define what had been lost. So thinking about my relationship and what was missing. Sure. And, and, and for me, it was uh, learning to take care of myself. Like I didn't realize that I was even supposed to be dealing with this grief thing because I got all of those messages of take care of your parents and be strong and all of that kind of stuff. And I was like, what about me? Like, what about my grief? How can I take care of myself first so that I could be available for my parents? I think it was um, very isolating, I think is the word that comes to mind for me. Um, I had very little support from family, um, very little support from any friends. And I, I was very young at the time. So um, it's it's a very isolating experience to go through something like this. And I know um, one of the things that we talk about a lot at the um, national level is that people expect you to be over a loss after a couple of weeks. So that's kind of society's opinion of of loss. So after you know, a few weeks, it's okay, everything's fine, move on. And I just felt very, very isolated. I would say that's the most challenging part. I would agree. And I would also agree too, that it's the, how's your parents? And Jordan does a great workshop on that about how's your mother. Um, the forgotten mourners, the label that we've kind of been given. That's the most difficult part to me is I felt like just screaming. What about me? 
and I, I would say just, I would just tack on to that, that um, since no one asked about me, I started off and began to think that my loss was somehow less significant than my parents. It's different, but it's no less significant. Okay, another question. Um, what do you do in memory of your brother or sister that brings you happiness? Well, I do well, a lot. <laughs> we do a lot in my brother's name. My uh, my family started a foundation in my brother's memory. We uh, have a full two-year scholarship in his name at the Culinary Institute of America. Uh, he was a pastry chef, so we have a full two-year scholarship in the pastry program up there. And uh, we do a big fundraiser for it every year. This coming summer will be our 19th annual fundraiser. We've raised over, uh, over a million dollars over the past uh, 18 years uh, in, in support of this. And um, I just found out recently that uh, uh, we're going to be naming the, the learning center at the Culinary Institute after Russell as well. So oh, that's sorry. exciting. Um, so we do a lot to be able to keep saying his name and keep sharing his story and keep keep telling people you know about him and sharing his legacy. Always a big deal. For me, it was actually starting uh, in 2019, we started, uh, Cindy and I had a conversation about maybe starting an online Zoom uh, for peer support for siblings. And I didn't realize how much that was going to build and grow over the course of the last four or five years. But, you know, every week when I sit behind my computer and I write my weekly newsletter and update, and every week when I hop on the meetings and I get a chance to talk about my sister uh, and help people manage the grief themselves, uh, that is really what brings me happiness. And it, I think it's really inspired by my sister, Lauren, uh, who passed over 25 years ago. So that's uh, that's what I do every week. Absolutely. And I think mine, too, is keeping the local Fayetteville area chapter here in North Carolina open. My parents were the ones that started that group back in 1987. And I'm now the chapter leader. So making sure that that stays open and it's a safe place that after almost 38 years, I can still go and say his name. Nobody thinks I'm crazy. I would second what everyone has already said. <clears throat> uh, I do a lot of volunteer work in memory of my brothers. And that means a lot to me because that's the kind of thing that I would never have done otherwise. I'm not usually an emotional person. Uh, I'm a math person. So uh, doing all of this work, uh, talking about grief and losses takes me outside of my comfort zone. And that's something I would do outside of, um, that's something that I do in honor of my two brothers. And I do a lot of writing um, about sibling loss uh, to try and bring awareness. But I, I also feel like just every day, the way I leave, lead my life has a lot to do with my brother's example and the way he led his during his long illness and just um, sort of approaching the world with curiosity and and all of that is something I try to bring forward as a as a way to honor him and live my life better so and these are all great I mean this everything's wonderful I, I too my family started a foundation and what I like to say is it feels so much better to do great things in Lucy's memory and to just dwell on the fact that that we lost her. So um, as I like to say, uh, it, it feels so much better to celebrate the rainbow that was her life and not just the dot that marked the end. Okay, this may be a tough one for us to answer, but 
What does your association with TCF mean to you? I'll be first to answer that one. You know I jump on this one. Um, my association with TCF means it saved my life and my family's life. That's what it means to me. It allowed my parents to understand that I was grieving too. Um, like Chris said, the volunteer work that I've done with TCF, it's my safe space. If I want to cry after 38 years, nobody thinks I'm crazy. So that's what TCF means to me. Uh, you know what? I jokingly have said, I'm going to be here with blue hair and a walker and 90 something and still going. That's okay. We all I, will. I would agree with Cindy that um, it's it's <laughs> been very beneficial for family dynamics, um, helping there. I think the interesting thing on my end for TCF is that my relationship with the organization has changed over the years. Very early on, um, you I went for support, and that's what it meant for me. Now, TCF is an outlet to help others. Um, it was actually Heidi who uh, called me and conned me into running for the board about four years ago, <laughs> and um, now I'm the treasurer. So, I mean, it's something I it's a position I never saw myself in, but um, I think the relationship has changed over the years where early on it was great for personal support and now is trying to help others. And thus both of those things are very meaningful to me. Mm -hmm. For me, it was actually finding my purpose, which has really been quite incredible over the course of the last few years. And Chris, I actually had the opposite in the beginning. I didn't want to have anything to do with, uh, you know, the whole grief thing. I was like, I just shut that down within myself. And then once I sort of got, a better understanding how I needed to deal with grief for me using like my physical body and taking care of my health and using yoga and meditation. Then I was like, oh, now I can go back and help others do that. And so that's what has really, you know, coming back to TCF and really being of service to people has been really my calling and realizing that my own unique perspective needs to be heard. So that's what is allowing me to be on this panel to begin with and then continuing to, you know, to expand and do what I do. And for the TCF stands for the compassionate friends. If anyone doesn't understand the, you know, just the, the what acronym. that means. Yeah. The acronym. Sorry. I'll say, you know, I uh, uh, sort of just reiterate it again, you know, a little bit of what other people have said. It, it is, was a game changer finding TCF. The funny thing is, is that I, I started going to TCF initially so that my parents would shut up about it. That was my feeling is that it wasn't going to be helpful and we'd never have to speak about it again once I went. And now I run my local chapter and they don't come. So the irony is not, <laughs> not lost on me. But I feel like, you know, it, <clears throat> I've often said, you know, there's, there's there's no substitute for having a place where we can talk about this stuff with people who really get it. Um, and, you know, I found this to be, I found TCF and having other people that were going through a similar thing, way more helpful than going to a therapist that hadn't lost a sibling. Um, unfortunately, uh, learning about this type of grief cannot be learned from a book in the same way that you can't really learn how to swim from a book. Yeah. You got to get in the water. And too many of us were pushed directly into the deep end. And I'm lucky that I, uh, was surrounded by as many lifeguards as TCF has provided and pulled me out. So I'm, 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 I'm lucky that I get to be uh, in a long line of people who have helped uh, keep that process and that uh, program going. 
Absolutely. And, and I, I mean, I didn't actually discover TCF until I was 19 years into my, into my loss. And I so wish I had discovered, you know, the compassionate friends way before, but since I, I I'm here, it, it was the family I never knew I needed. And I am so grateful and thankful uh, that I have all my, my TCF sibs um, getting, to hang out together is honestly indescribable. That that time, uh, I know so many of us look so forward to it. And then when we're in there, it's this oasis of understanding, support, learning, and uh, and then when you 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 leave <clears throat> at the end of the conference. It's a horrible letdown, <laughs> but 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 now we, we have Zoom groups and and we stay so connected and I think that's wonderful. Um, yep. I see how it makes me so happy to see how the compassionate friends helps so many people, not just siblings but parents, and how transformative that is and. It's exciting, and I'm honored to be able to carry on uh, from Cindy as a sibling rep and and help expand the awareness for sibling survivors because we just need more sibs at the conference. Yep. Agreed. Okay. What advice do you have for sibling survivors? Always a hard one. Yes, Chris. Uh, I have it's okay if I go first. Um, I think that kind of the typical advice I give to people is find someone who you can talk to um, who won't judge you. It can be very difficult um, to find that. But I mean, TCF is one venue where you can find something like that, finding a group of other people who have been through the same loss. And I feel like I have a group of people who I can call at 5 a.m. if I have to and get support. And that's extremely valuable. Um, I also think that another another piece of advice I, I often give out is, um, you know, it's there's nothing wrong, especially early on in your grief, to still go and do things that you enjoy and to still kind of try to find a purpose for your own life. It can be very difficult and it, you, it can make you feel very guilty to go and do things. Um, and so I always advise, try to find something that makes you feel better. If it's <clears throat> watching TV, reading a book, playing video games, going for a drive, whatever it is, um, it's a great it's a great thing to do to to kind of bring some comfort to yourself. Um, so yeah, the the main one that I go to is to try to find someone who can talk who you can talk to at any time. And then the only other thing I wanted to throw out there, and then I'll pass it off to everyone else, is. Um, this isn't directly for the siblings themselves, but for people around them. Uh, there's oftentimes a belief that we're not grieving because we might not actually show it. And um, just because, you know, your your child doesn't want to talk about their grief with you doesn't mean they're not talking about it with someone. It's been more than 20 years for me. I have never talked about my grief with my parents ever. Um, it's just not something that I'm comfortable with doing. And that's totally fine. Great advice, Chris. Okay, sibling panel. 
I would echo that and just find your community. I was also someone who didn't find compassionate friends till much later. And my community comes just more so at this point from people I found through interviewing other people. And that completely changed my mindset and um, my ability to cope. So for, for me, it's doing, doing one thing, no matter how small to take care of your body, uh, because our brain gets completely rewired once we lost our sibling. And in order to take care of your body, you're actually taking care of your mental health as well. So making sure that you're doing something like I don't care how small it is, like eating a meal, going for a quick short walk, getting outside, moving your body in some way, something super simple. Don't make it too complicated, but but just enough so that you can get some physical vitality because that helps with your your mental your mental health as well. Mm -hmm. I would say uh, advice I give to sibling survivors is. Uh, that every day you have a choice of what, whether you want to talk about your loss or not. But just because today I choose not to talk about Lucy doesn't mean I never want to talk about her. It just means today is not a good day. And there is so much power in utilizing that choice and defining your, your loss and not having it completely define you. I agree with that, Xander, and and echo what many others have said. Um, and that would be definitely to take care of yourself. My advice to sibling survivors is take care of yourself because many times over, we're reminded, you know, take care of your parents. They lost their child. And my advice is take care of yourself. Find your tribe. My yeah. tribe consists of four other women who also lost brothers and plus hundreds of other more people. But Definitely the, those four women, I know, like Chris said, I could call them at two or three or four o'clock in the morning. It does not matter. I could probably call anybody on this panel at that time of the morning and they'd talk. But again, find your people, find your tribe um, that you're comfortable with in talking about your grief too. Like Chris said, sometimes you're not comfortable in talking to your parents or like Jordan said earlier, not comfortable in talking to a therapist who's not a bereaved sibling. Find your Find your people. Absolutely. And we have just, uh, I think about three more minutes so we can, anything else anyone would like to say about siblings, sibling loss, yeah. community? So I, let, let me just hop in because I know there were a couple of questions. So if anyone wants that access to the, the Zoom uh, links, you can click my website that's in my thing, somaticgrieftherapy.com. And there's a button that says free peer support for siblings and you can access it that way. And there, or there's an also another website called siblingisland.com. It takes you to the same place regardless. So um, yeah, and then you'll get my weekly updates every week. I I would uh, throw out there something that I think almost all of us on this panel um, would would agree with is that if, if you have someone, um, if you have a child who's experienced sibling loss and you tell them, Hey, I want to take you to a grief conference. They're going to say absolutely not. So uh, all of us, I think, were forced into coming to our first one, and now we all go way more than anyone who forced us to go. So um, it's it really is a good experience, if possible, to um, take your if if you have um, 
kids who have who are um, bereaved siblings to have them come to an event like the Compassionate Friends National Conference um, because they will get that peer support that they need. And and it's not going to be all like doom and gloom. That's the one thing that it's, it, you know, like like Heidi said, even before she introduced us, that she, we go to the conferences and we hang out together and we're able to really talk openly. We laugh and we, you know, just have a good time with one another and talk about our siblings in a really positive way not uh, you know not always it is challenging in some aspects but but there's always going to be some laughter there's going to be some singing there's going to be some you know some happiness and joy with mixed in with that yeah, like jason say, said it's not all go ahead jordan I, I always say at the conference that you know the workshops are great and all the stuff that the that happens at the conference officially is great but we get our best work done in the in-between times yeah. you know we, we get our best work done at the bar you know mm -hmm. or at the you know in the in the hallway, it's a full immersive experience. And it's nice to be <clears throat> surrounded by that kind of energy for an entire weekend. There's really nothing quite like it. Yeah, and for the younger siblings, there's also gonna be like a grief camp. So there, so there, there's something for everybody. There uh, is, I wanna thank you all because you are building so much awareness. You all know we are minimized and unacknowledged often. And the sibling grief is real and it's big and it's just as significant as any other type of loss. I've learned that it helped me to help others, to know I'm not the only one, put one foot in front of the other, find a life. Adding hope to the darkness, you start on the trip to recovery. Reach deep down inside and say, I am gonna live on. We laugh, we cry, and remember. Hope without action doesn't work. Hope with action can change the world. We always say, if you've lost hope, please lean on ours.